the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. And we are back, and we can uh, start the second hour with our phones working well. Looks like our lines are full. I'm going to start on line number four with Neb in San Francisco. Neb, are you there? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, doing well. I just wanted to comment on what you were talking about, the vaccines. And uh, one thing that I noticed, um, whenever there's division like this, you know, maybe like 9-11, uh, what we got going with the vaccines and the whole sure. pandemic. Sure. I see that when people are um, spiritually blind, they seem to be, not everybody now, but when they're spiritually blind, they seem to be blind to everything. And, you know, they look at the media as a source of truth because, you know, since we grew up watching the news, that was kind of like where we went for our information. Yeah. And there's people that look at the media as a source of truth. But what gets me is that they themselves will admit that the media is corrupt, that they lie, and they still believe everything they say. They take everything they say as gospel. So that always confuses me. And they have a track record of lying so much. And people know that, uh, whether you're for the vaccine or not, but they just take everything they say as gospel. And then they try to spread that gospel of misinformation to everyone else. So now think about this, Nev, since you heard me and you know that what I stated was, is that we are dealing with a mass social behavior modification process. This is a psyop. This has been going on forever. Goes all the way back to the days of Socrates. Uh, The Greeks used it. The Persians used it. uh, The Babylonians used it. The Jews used it. The Romans used it. uh, Governments use it. In our last hundred years, it has been the fundamental method of political uh, uh, framing, uh, divide and conquer. So in America, we are inevitably trapped by it because we deal with a two-party system. And that two-party system, Neb, is so permeative in our society. So, you know, the assumption is you've got your left who are Democrats and your right who are Republicans, and then you've got a fringe of people in the middle, left or right, on that spectrum. But largely, the left-right narrative is what prevails in our culture, and most people are commonly operating out of a multitude mentality. That is, again, Deuteronomy chapter <clears throat> uh, 23, somewhere around there, you shall not follow a multitude to do evil. So the multitudes are comfortable either being on the left or on the right because that is the multitude narrative. So when you say to someone, man, you, 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 you know that our government has lied to us about this, that, 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 they will agree with you now, but they won't agree with you here because this time it's about them. This time it's about their own welfare, their own preservation, their own life their own subsistence. And so you see what occurs is what is called a cognitive dissonance. They can agree with you about all of these other historical events where the government has lied. 
But on this one, the government has to be telling the truth because they don't want to deal with the consequences of having to not believe the government because that means you're going to have to pay the price. And that cognitive dissonance is a bias towards safety. It's a bias towards safety. So the kind of conversation you got to have with those people is one where you go, I know that you want to be safe. I really do. I get that. But you can't do it at the expense of your sanity. You can't you can't lose your mind and become irrational and illogical uh, 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 for the for the sake of being able to keep a job. I mean, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses? So as believers, we have to ration with them like that. And we have to understand if it were not for the grace of God, you and I might be in that same path, too, if you know what I mean. Right. No, I definitely agree. And I've heard Christians um, bust out Romans 13, submit to your government. So how do you feel about churches shutting down and when, you know, when we know this is not all it's cracked up to be? So right. A lot of so pastors will shut down their church and, you know, you are to obey God before you're to obey man. So right. how do you feel about that? <laughs> Well, I talk about it all the time, and, and our church is one of a few churches, I don't know about any other churches in the Bay Area, really, that has taught, I just recently taught a series on what is called the Warrington Declaration, and that is a biblical view of the relationship between the government and the church. A healthy biblical view of government versus the church, Nev, is that the church's role is not absolute compliance to the government. That's ridiculous. Otherwise, God is not our sovereign authority. Um, there's no time when any believer submits to any uh, authority under God. That is, whether it be a political authority, a religious authority, whether it be your mama or your daddy, whether it be your wife or your husband. None of those subordinate authorities have right over you except as it is except to the extent that they actually walk in lockstep with God's word. So what the church is, is a prophetic voice that has to say to the world, this is what God expects of government. Romans 13 expects government to bear the sword righteously, to to reward good and punish evil. That's what Romans 13 is about. It's not about telling the believer to just submit, shut your mouth, put your mask on and do whatever government says. That's a total bastardizing of the text. It's a total misinterpretation of the text. And this is where good teachers are worth their weight because they can explain that text and show that that text is actually about telling the government how it should be for the good and welfare of its people. And where we have to debate issues, let us debate them. Don't just tell us to comply because as children of God, we are obligated to stand on the truth. That means if they are pushing something against us that's not right, it's time for the people of God to do exactly what the people of God did in the book of Acts. Remember, they told Peter and James and John, do not preach in this man's name or you will be punished. And Peter said, look, you guys do whatever you want to do. Be sure of this. We're going to obey God and not man. And whenever government exceeds its boundaries and starts uh, impacting 
the life of the people of God in terms of policies that are dictatorial and uh, taking a role of deifying themselves, then that's where the people of God are going to protest. That's where the people of God are going to employ the measures that are given to us, whether they be lawyers, whether they be congressmen, senators. And by the way, Neb, all of that is going on in Washington right now. So uh, for the audience that's listening to me and you, be sure of this. Not everybody across this nation is shutting down and just bowing down to the golden calf of the Biden administration. No, no, no. There are a lot of men in Congress, a lot of women in Congress that are opposing this, doing a, a yeoman's job. There are lots of men and women who are maintaining the priority of freedom. Uh, and, and, and waging the good the, the good fight of faith, they are doing the right thing, uh, and we only we don't know what the outcome is going to be. But what the people of God have to do is rightly divide the word of God, properly understand its intent. Whether that's Romans thirteen, whether that's First Peter chapter two, Second Peter chapter two, uh, chapter uh, two, um, and other texts that would speak to us working with our government, submitting to the government where it is lawful, and then you know bumping up against them prophetically when they are not. The other thing that believers have to know is an obligation on our part. And that is to pray for our government. So a lot of times we want to, you know, holler and scream against them. But you also have to pray for them because we actually have to believe that God turns the hearts of the kings whithersoever he will as he does the rivers of water. And this becomes another area exposing us for our lack of faith. If I don't see people of God praying and I don't see people of God standing on the truth of God's word, I have very little doubt that they are the people of God. Listen, my brother, thank you for the call. Got to take another hard break. When I come back, I'll continue with you guys on our phone line. We may have one line open, one 367 We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we are back with time 621. If you want to join the conversation, the number is one 367 5329 Neb, I appreciated that conversation, my brother. Good to hear from you. Hope to hear from you again in the future as well. Let's go to line number one and talk with Idris and Hayward. Line number one, Idris, are you there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, man. What's going on? Hey, how's it going, Pastor? Always, always good to hear from you. Um, uh, wow. So, you know, I was going to jump on the uh, COVID-19, but I realized you, you also talked about all the other chaos that's going on in the world that's not being tapped. And it's just like the devil to not just do one thing, but to be doing a bunch of things at the same time. And I want to talk about the perversion that is literally going on with the, with the, with the babies, how they're yeah, really just changing the whole scope of, gender and sexuality and just it's it's crazy it's really like the things that i see people post on youtube about what they're doing what they're doing with these shows and with these kids it's, it's like i'm looking at it like you don't even need to be saved to see like right. this isn't right and it's happening and you right. know so while people aren't barely pay attention to the covid 19 you better pay attention to your babies because uh two three four five six seven year olds they don't really understand what covid is they're just living life but Indeed. they are getting confused in a way that 10 years from now, being heterosexual will be weird. And that's, <laughs> and that may sound crazy, but that's what we're, what we're looking at, you know? So I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. 
Right. So I've been talking about this for a while. Uh, Yuri Bismanov was an ex uh, Russian spy who you can go online, Yuri Bismanov. He's been talking about this for years since the 80s about the infiltration of America and the corruption of, of America's policies with it being transformed into a, a communist socialist society. And we are there. Uh, and, and the blitz that you're talking about, the enemy always does a bunch of things at one time, particularly when he's sowing the doctrine of confusion. That's called confusion. Confusion is when you have separated categories, events, entities, and you actually stack them together and collapse them on top of each other. That's what confusion is. We should be able to operate in categories We should be able to operate in distinct categories. We should be able to operate in the priority of those categories. This is what is called organization. So an organized mind can actually distinguish. It can create variables. It can organize. It can prioritize. And then it can implement the right solution to each one of those categories. But when you collapse them all together into one place, this is designed to uh, create in the mind of men and women a demoralized state. So our society is experiencing the Babylonian confusion. This is very much a spiritual battle along those lines that you're talking about, all of these wars on all of these fronts. And so what the enemy likes to do is he likes to drive your attention to a particular direction, have you focus on that. This is what we've been teaching on Tuesdays and Fridays. It's called a focus trap, a focus trap. When you get hit by a focus trap, You're no longer watching all the other areas because you're being made to think that the only thing that really matters is this one thing. While the enemy is working surreptitiously in all of these other areas, there is no doubt that we are watching him completely dismantle human beings. There is no doubt that we are watching this secular world system, this postmodern Marxist socialist uh, secular world system tearing down the biblical worldview and even a secular worldview that is modernistic in its framework, that's scientific in its framework, tearing that down, demolishing everything that is verifiably truthful. This is why you are worried about what's going to happen to our kids in 10 years. You have every right to be. It will be five years. You have every right to be. And and what we are seeing in society is men and women not walking in the authority of truth. And that's because we've been playing church for so many decades that men and women do not know how to wield the sword. They don't know how to stand on God's word. They don't know how to say no. Now, watch this. Watch this now. And I've seen it in my own in my own life for many, many decades with Christians. And the world has sucked us in. Uh, It has sucked the church in and the church has played footsies with these uh, demonic systems for a long time. And we have lost our children for two and three and four and five generations. The present gener- the present generation of visceral atheists, the present generation of vi- visceral atheists and agnostics or mystics, let me call them mystics, because you will hear them use the term, the universe is God. And so, you know, right. the universe bless me, the universe give me this, the universe give me that. That is nothing but secularism wrapped up in religious garb. We would call that non-theism, okay? 
It is an impersonal God paradigm so that they can actually sound like they're believing in some kind of personal God and they can actually track with you. They do this all the time uh, in the African-American community where they have abandoned a real commitment to biblical truth, but they want the convenience of the terminology in order to uh, make it look like somehow they are religious. And the term they use is, I I don't go to church, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual, but that's not true. But spirituality is called is called metaphysics. And metaphysics is the capacity to live at the higher level of spiritual realities. The only way you can do that is to be in contact with the true and the living God. So if you're walking contrary to God, you're not spiritual, you're carnal at the highest level of demonism. But what we're dealing with now, then, is the fundamental uh, uh, traits and characteristics of the devil. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. These are obvious works of the enemy. Steal, steal our children. Kill, kill the capacity for men and women to discern truth. Therefore, they're walking blindly and they're operating out of emotional discombobulation, fear, anxiety, all kinds of things, confusion, chaos, paralysis, uh, phobic uh, 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 dysfunctions at the highest level. And the outcome of that is when our uh, power brokering education educators begin to uh, marshal out all of these ideas like, you know, tr- uh, the intersectionality of transgender uh, uh, and, 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 and all of its categories, the whole spectrum of sexual uh, preference, that whole spectrum there um, challenges men and women at the level of science and at the level of theology. And because we're not committed to biblical truth, we don't know how to say that's right and that's wrong. And people are afraid to say this is right and that's wrong or that's wrong and that's right because they don't want to pay the moral price. But that's exactly what Jesus said constitutes a true believer. A true believer has studied, analyzed, has come to a conclusion has been able to draw the conclusion that the word of God is right. All of his works are done in truth. And that therefore, when we say, hey, my friend, my loved one, what you are advocating there is contrary to the word of God and it's contrary to science. But now that we live in a world where they love unrighteousness, again, that's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, because they did not have a love for the truth that they might be saved, God gave them over to a strong delusion. And we're starting to feel some of that as a universal pressure coming down on us with policies at the level of our education, at the level of our jobs. And we're discovering, people are discovering that if you try to have conversations with people along the lines that I'm sharing with you, uh, Brother Idris, they're not able to have a apples and apples and oranges to oranges conversation. They're going to be talking back and forth at each other and they're not going to be connecting because they are not reasoning these things through. Now, one more thing and I'm going to let you go. A lot of people know that what I am saying is actually the truth. So there's a, there's a, there are two okay. categories of people in this spectrum of left and right, where we are in the middle. We've got people who know that what you and I are saying is right. They're not willing to pay the price. <clears throat> they're not willing to stand up and say it because there, there are major prices to pay. I'm already paying those prices myself. I see it. They're not willing to pay that price. And, 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 and the beast knows that. He knows that the way that he wins is that the vast majority don't put themselves in a position to have to stand for truth. He doesn't care if you believe truth as long as you don't stand for it. Because if you don't stand for it, you're, you're not a witness. 
You're not a witness. So we got to pray for our brothers and sisters across the nation, saved and unsaved. We're talking about men and women who, like you said, you don't even have to be saved to know that we're dealing with a trajectory of chaos. You don't have to be saved. You're created in the Imago Dei. God has given you a mind. You, you, you know this stuff is not scientific. You, you can't tell me that you can ask a child what his gender is and that child speaks authoritatively to you about his gender. That child has no capacity to know his gender until he's 12 or 13 years old when his hormones have fully affirmed that his genitals correspond with his hormonal development. The only person that can tell him who he is is his mama and his daddy. And we hope his mama and daddy know God, because if they know God, then they'll tell him the truth. And no matter what his struggle is or her struggle is as a little child, until they're old enough to emancipate themselves from the authority of their parents, parents are obligated to tell God's children the truth. And if you give your kids over to the state, that's on us parents. That's not on the child. It's not on the state. It's on the parents. Christian parents are obligated to protect their children at all costs. Thank you for the call, my brother. Got to take another heartbreak. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. Um, I wish I had time to talk to you about the importance of being able to uh, map out uh, your world and uh, uh, develop a system of salient organizational uh, prioritizing of your life. Because what 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 Idris was talking about, uh, the enemy knows. He he knows. The enemy knows that to 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 simply paralyze you is to flood you with so much information that you don't know how to make choices. Now, this is what I'm teaching on Tuesday and Fridays at Grace. You can follow us online, grace-bible.com, or you can come out on Tuesdays, 6.30. I'm teaching these things, how to actually see well, how to actually think well, how to actually be better at choice selection because you actually are able to map out the priorities of your life according to God's will and see the things that are critically important to see. Because if you allow the enemy to blind you by distractions, which we see these examples all through the Bible, then you will never ever understand what's most important, what's most salient, what is most to be interested in, what is most uh, important for you to suffer in order for God's glory to be manifested in you. And and you just become demoralized and you just kind of, quite frankly, hide in the caves. And that's what a lot of people are doing, just hiding in the caves, hiding in the caves. I understand it. I really do. Um, but you, you still need to be thriving even in the midst of this uh, we're in an ebb now, just like, uh, like Sean said. We're not in another wave of real assault. That's coming. But we're in a low ebb right now. This is a great time to get out, great time to reevaluate how you think, broaden the parameters of your, of your consciousness, and actually have a much more robust understanding of discernment. This is what I'm talking about. If you don't know how to discern, you, you can't handle a blitz. The analogy would be a football player, quarterback. And he's on the line and he's getting ready to run a play, but he doesn't pick up on the signals. So he goes to run a play and the defense runs a blitz. Now he's struggling with seven or eight 
uh, uh, defensive players coming at him, he doesn't know how to choose the salient one to actually address in order to find a gap to advance his team because he doesn't know how to map it out. And a lot of people are that way with all the difficulties that are going on as well. We got to do a better job. The Bible says, be vigilant, be sober. Your adversary, the devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And, and, and that's happening in our world in a very serious way. Let's go to line number four and talk with Regina in San Leandro. Regina, are you there? I'm here, Pastor Jesse. How are you? I'm great. Been a while. Going, been a while, my sister. What's going on? It's, it's been a while. It's been a while. I'm going to tell you where I parked it at. The last time we talked was about two or three months ago. Yep. And I was telling you about a friend of mine. She had had a blood clot. And thank God she is well now. She went through a tumultuous journey with um, rehab and the whole bit. But I did learn something, though. I learned that there are lots of people who are eavesdropping on conversations that are going on on the radio, uh, on blogs or whatever, just kind of looking. People that are not really interested in making any changes or looking at things from a biblical perspective. So what I'm learning is still over there in James 1.19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Okay. So I'm still learning how to be non-judgmental. Hold that uh, scripture at at uh, at heart as well. It says, "Resentment kills a fool." Right. Because I noticed that I was getting more and more argumentative with people about how they feel about something. Right. And the Holy Spirit kept whispering to me and saying, wait a minute, I still want you to love them. I still want you to uh, give them whatever I'm giving you to say to them. So right. slow down for a little while. Don't go in there with all the zeal, but actually have the knowledge to go along with it. Sure. What I, what I heard you say earlier was about the metaphysics. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. many churches have commingled metaphysics with the gospel for the last 30 years or right. longer. Right. And then preaching, and, you know, people get upset about slavery times, and I've always asked the question, if the slave master did not teach the slave the entire passage in its context, then why would a pastor today do that? Why? And there are many, many churches who have been teaching that for years. It's not the full context of something. It's one part of the scripture and then run off with a 15, 20-minute commentary of what right. the flesh is saying about the scripture. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right on, on several points. I'm just going to actually pick up on two or three threads that you were sharing, which is really good. Um, and this evolution that you're talking about, and I'm using it in a, in a biblical context, and I will also explain the right context for the um, etymological use of metaphysics. So a lot of times we'll take, we'll take words that the world has employed for their own agenda, and we will make them general definitions. But every word is to be understood in the context in which the speaker is using it. I know you know that. Uh, of course, I know about metaphysics. We have been in what is called the New Age movement ever since I was born. I'm a baby boomer. 
And as a consequence, I have to live through the new age movement. What that means is I had to live through the age of, of, uh, of Scorpio, the age of Taurus, the age of Gemini. We are on the brink of what is called the age of Aquarius. You already know that. And so that is a new age movement where all of the religions are being collapsed into one. This is monism in terms of the philosophy of a Unitarian uh, approach to, to God. And yes, the term metaphysics in the sense in which you were using it, Regina, does uh, apply to many churches that do, do not really truly believe the Bible is the inerrant, inspired, infallible word of God, but they have basically played church and have opened the door for all of these different mystical experiences. True enough. And to the second point in terms of, uh, you know, the history of slavery, I actually taught about that this last Friday, not to unpack it fully. But uh, in reality, if we were all to walk really humbly, uh, we are all slaves of somebody somewhere, sometime, somehow. No one human being has ever experienced total freedom, only God. And even God's not totally free because he can't lie. He can't change. He can't fail. He can't do evil. There's a lot. He can't make a rock too big for him to uphold. There's so many things that we could explain in terms of the euphemism of freedom. But I want to get to the other point. And therefore, if we look at the Bible carefully in terms of slavery, it has always been God's purpose to redeem men up out of the atrocities that their fellow man has imposed upon them. You can see this in Exodus 21, 1 through 7, and then 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, around verse 14 as well, where Paul said, if, are you called being a slave? Then don't be anxious about that. But if you can come up out of that, then, then, then go for it. But remember, even if you're a free man, you are a slave of Christ. And if you are a slave, you are free in Jesus. It's all about what our worldview is and how we operate out of it. The next and final point that I want to agree with you on is we're, we're about two years into this experience, this experiment, Regina, where many of us who by nature, you know, having come up out of all kind of crazy in our youth and, and got saved, you know, we ain't playing. We're not playing with people. So, you know, initially we were really going at it, trying to actually lay down um, a, a truth claim for people to have to be accountable for their actions. I totally get that then. But now we have come so far down the road that many of us know, as you stated, there are people that are listening. There are people that are looking. There are people that are engaging in alternative media. There are people that are doing a lot of things, trying to get clarity on what they intuitively know is a mess out there. And as you stated from James 1, verse 19, therefore, it's incumbent upon all of us to be quick to the hearing, quick to the hearing, slow to the speaking. And therefore, we won't end up engaging in wrath with the people that we know who are having a hard time with these matters. What we want to continue to do is build our own character, walk in love and do as best a job we can of approaching these situations and helping them see better ways of thinking for themselves up out of the traps that the enemy are bringing our way. That's our mission here going forward. And I'm looking forward to talking with you maybe in six months or a year from now, right along with the rest of my brothers and sisters, as we continue to strategize to reach our brothers and sisters who somehow still don't know what's going on or operating out of fears and phobias that won't let them stand on the truth. I got to take a hard break. Thank you for your call. 
call. When I come back, we'll catch our two last callers on this Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time is 6.51. Before I go to the phone lines, I do want to invite you out on Tuesday night. 6.30 is when our class starts. If you really want to learn how to think better, it's really a series in Romans 8 on uh, walking after the Spirit or minding the Spirit. This is about a believer being led by the Spirit to right thinking. And I'm doing a lengthy series on this, helping us to understand the difference between passive thinking and active thinking. And you may benefit from it. Grace-Bible.com. Go online. You can go to KFAX. They can lead you there. Go online. Grace-Bible. Grace Bible Church in Hayward. And we start at 630. Love to have you out. But then again, we're on on Friday at 630 as well, going through a wonderful series in Romans chapter eight on minding the spirit. If we... uh, If the carnal mind is enmity against God, that's what the Bible says. So that carnal mindedness is death, but spiritual mindedness is life and peace. And we really want to know how to walk in a spiritual minded way because we want to enjoy the life and the peace that God has granted us in Jesus Christ. And a lot of believers don't. A lot of believers don't. And that's because they're passive in their thinking, which means other people and other things are controlling their thoughts. And you guys know that what I am saying is true. If you listen to the studies online, I'm going to challenge you, but you will grow. You will learn how to think better. And in thinking better, you will make better choices. And in making better choices, you will become what God wants you to be. And that's wise. And that's what the aim of knowledge is all about, getting understanding and walking in wisdom. Let me go to line number one and talk with James from the Bay. James, are you there? Yes, my brother. Can you hear me? I sure can, man. We got a few minutes. What's your thoughts? Uh, actually, I have a question. Sure. Uh, you know, you always, you know, learn from you to always, you know, attack the a terminology at its core. So yeah. I guess my concern is the shots that are out there, you know, uh, for uh, for the stars or what have you. How is it that they're able to get away with, I say they, I mean the powers to be mandating this as a, as a vaccination when it's not even been approved for a vaccine as one. And two, are there any of the three that's mentioned, are any of them any closer to being authorized or that you know of any yeah. of the ones that they speak of? I do. Great question. We'll kind of I'm just going to milk this one a little bit with you on a number of levels because we got four minutes. So it's just enough time to talk about your question. I love these questions. This is where I was talking about passive hearing or passive thinking versus active thinking. So you're demonstrating active thinking, James. And that is, you know, that we are in what is called emergency use authority. That means the vaccine has not been approved for uh, actual use as a vaccine. And and there are a number of preconditions that need to occur for that to happen. Given the nature of our government, it will soon be approved, as Fauci had just stated, even if it doesn't meet the real test of vaccine qualification, which is establishing substantial immunity, which it has not done. But let's go back to the fact that it is an EUA, Emergency Use Authority, 
uh, uh, device. It is a device <clears throat> because it's new technology. Uh, fundamentally, even though Johnson and Johnson is slightly different than Moderna, Pfizer and AstraZeneca, uh, it's new technology. Therefore, technically, it is gene therapy. That's going to be a whole nother conversation down the line. Gene therapy. You got people who are for it. You got people who are against it. We know that. Um, it should not be called a vaccine yet, even on the CDC. They say that we cannot officially call it that because the moment you do, then people have reprisal for injury, legitimate reprisal for injury because a vaccine has to actually be able to uh, cover people who get injured from the vaccine. So in an EUA use, when people go and get this gene therapy, they sign on the dotted line and they lose all rights to any kind of injury that comes with this experiment. They write off their life. And this is why we're dealing with Tens of thousands of people who have died with the vaccine, hundreds of thousands of people across the nation and the world who have been injured through the vaccine. There is no argument about that. It's just not part of the major media outlet. So what is that about? That's about our government continually perpetuating the noble lie. I talked about that at the opening of the program. The noble lie is a platonic thought that says elite governments often impose upon its citizens a narrative that they know if it were investigated fully, it would be filled with holes and contradictions and paradoxes that would substantiate it as not being the truth. But because they want to advance their own agenda, they 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 propagate what is called the noble lie. We've been in noble lie mode for decade after decade after decade after decade, like Idris said. We know that our government has been lying to us for decades after decades, and here it is again occurring, but they know it simply because of one reason. The, the people don't rise up to oppose the government with any real vigorous, visceral force because we have been entertained up out of a conviction for righteousness. We are slaves to pleasure. We are slaves to convenience. And we just pretend that we're serious about issues. And we're just hoping the government gives us a pacifier and let us go on back to sleep. Give me another blue pill and continue that computer program that they are implementing working so that I don't have to be responsible for my choices and my actions. That's a sad reality. But I dare someone to tell me that we're not living in that Aldous Huxley's, uh, Orson Welles, late great planet Earth, uh, you know, brave new world scenario. This is where we are. The scientists have said it for years and you and I are seeing it now. And it's a sad reality that people are not waking up and they're not willing to stand up for the truth. We're praying that God would change that though because there are a lot of people who are aware of what I'm saying. Thank you for the call, my dear brother. I'm praying that God will be gracious to all of us in spite of what I had to say. See you Tuesday and see you Friday.
Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Thank you.